Hello and welcome to Say That, the podcast for your big questions, get real answers. My name is Matt King. I'm your host here in the city of Chicago. Joining me here is Glenn Fitzgerald, the founder of Mission USA. Allergies. You have them. You're suffering from them. You're, you're trying to cast them on the listeners. I'm just... I, the allergies are so strong. That's all I can say is allergies. Okay. It's going to be a, a congested and possibly psychedelic episode. Say that podcast. Also joining us on that journey is Jed Brewer, the director of Mission USA Productions. Greetings, greetings. We are not joined by one uh, Levert Younger, mm. normal co-host. One of the past crash Tennessee. So he's on. He is on a special assignment at Young Life's Carolina Point. Mm. He's uh, he's getting up early. He's being enthusiastic, doing a lot of other things that uh, the three of us just can't do. Yeah. Right. So let that be a parable about something. Sure. Roles in the kingdom, I guess. Yeah, absolutely. Because uh, I'm not an oh boy leader. Yeah. Tell me we're going to go jump in the lake. I don't say oh boy. I say oh, then many other things, which means I can't go to my camp anymore. Sure. Right. But Lee's there, and we're happy for him. You were politely yet firmly invited to leave. <laughs> There's no doubt. Yes. The full Hank Hill. Yes. But we're, uh, we're going to push on in this stead. We have many uh, good questions this week. We're going to get into them. But first... I have to declare an emergency, gentlemen. Whoa. Is Allergy. everything okay? I got allergies, though. Yeah, it's not my emergency. I don't care about that. Oh, okay. Do you need to declare an allergy emergency? Maybe. Okay. Well, here, Glenn, maybe in the course of this emergency, we'll, no. we'll <clears throat> come along with something that'll help you with your allergies. Oh, okay. Because when someone has the hiccups, obviously, yes. you got to spook them. Yes. Right. All right. That makes sense. Maybe it'll work for allergies. Because right. uh, one of the things is apparently the hot new trend. Hansel's mm. so hot right now. Oh, yeah. So, is apparently... Using the Bible to terrify children. Ooh. Oh. A, that sounds great. A prominent Christian figure who shall go unnamed, but you probably know, tweet on the day we record this, which I won't mention, but again, if you want to figure it out, you probably can. You should read your children these Bible stories about people trying to overthrow the king of Israel and then being grisly murdered. Right. And then tell them, rebellion against God's anointed. Never, never, never. Never. He threw in four of them. The quad never works out. <laughs> wow. Whoa. So you got to tell does, your children. Sometimes work out though. though? No, never, never, uh-huh. never, uh-huh. never. So if you try it five times, it'll probably work. Maybe. Okay. That's my. That's less than I take away from it. But clearly, from a very famous and successful Christian author, who for some reason we're all supposed to pretend is smart. Okay. Um, you just got to terrify your children Ooh. with the Bible. Well, legalistic Jed loves that. So it feels I like a racket we can get in on. Yes. Maybe right. if Glenn went to his allergist, right, and instead of you know medicines or right. you know neti pots or whatever he's going to give you, he just told you horrifying stories out of scripture. Maybe that just knock you right. Yeah, probably it would. You know that would it change my outlook. Yes, you know? yes, I'd be not so selfishly focused on my own allergies. Yes, instead of being congested. Yeah. You'd be congested with fear. Yeah. Right. Holy fear. What it almost certainly wouldn't lead you to do is repressing those allergies for what's called a period of 18 years and then going insane once you go to Christian allergy college. Yes. Right. So so if, if I understand this, because I, I don't know if I mentioned this earlier, I've got allergies, but... Dude, you've got allergies? Yeah, I got a bit of allergies. We need to pause for a second, right. and we need to check in with you. Yeah. How are you doing, man? Well, you know what it is? I'm dealing with allergies. Bro, 
allergy sympathy. I'm sending that to wow. you right now in this I, moment. I feel that. It's coming at you across the table. There's a lot of love happening right now. And I don't want us to move on. There's also right? a lot of turning off iPods happening right now. <laughs> until we feel, until you feel like you've breached the appropriate amount of allergy sympathy. I don't. Okay. I insist we can't move on until that's okay. happened. Well, I, I, I think we're probably about halfway there. All right. So you want to just keep just more <laughs> sympathy? Are, are you packing sympathy? in the previous three hours of staff meeting where no, no. allergies came up every thirty-five seconds? Here's or? what I'm saying. I may be semi-hallucinogenical. Wow, hallucinogenical is the worst. Okay, but. You're trying to tell me that a dude said he quoted three different Old Testament dudes, sure, who did things that were naughty, yeah, yeah, and tell your children about these guys so that they will know that they can never, 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 never rebel against God. No, God's anointed. Oh, God's anointed. Oh, I this see. was people who questioned people who were in power. Ah, and then God murdered them. So people like, for example, him. Yes. Mm. Hey, quick, quick question. Please. I'm not a Bible scholar. Right. There's a lot I don't know. Right. There's an Old Testament. There's a New Testament. Maybe there's a Mid Testament. I don't know. Who knows? I'm not a Bible scholar. I don't have any jokes about certain large denominations at all. Go ahead. Now here's the thing. There was this dude named Saul, right? And sure. he was he was the king of Israel, right? Yes, this all checks out. Okay, I mean, because again, you guys tell me, I don't, I don't want to run afoul of you know biblical integrity. Mm-hmm. Um, There's like a pseudepigrapha, it's like a fake pig thing. Yes, I'm yeah. pretty sure. It's good. I don't know. If, that could be the allergies talk. You, you've you've got it exactly right. Blanket blanket statement over this entire episode. That yeah, it's could like be a, the allergies. I got, talk. I got allergy. Amnesty. If we titled our episodes, that would be this one. <laughs> That's right. So we got Saul. And yep. he's the king of Israel right. and explicitly anointed as such. Yes. Right. He is the Lord's anointed. Yeah. Indeed. All right. Now we've got David. Mm. Now later on, he's the king. Sure. Right. But at the start of our story, not the king. Right. Sure. He's not born as the king. Right. Okay. So he's the anointed elect. He, he's, he's the anointed to be. Mm. He's pre anointed. Oh. Okay. Now, trademark. Sure. Now, there's a time where Saul, not a big fan of David. Not right. not really mm-hmm. feeling his flavor. A lot of, you know, trying to hunt him down, you know, mm-hmm. a lot of trying to, you know, with the murder, murder kind sure, of thing. Sure, good people on both sides, the yeah, murderers. And that's what I've heard. And there's a lot of difference of opinion. So you've got the Lord's anointed and you've got a guy who is, in essence, in rebellion against that person. Mm-hmm. And, you know, again, not a Bible scar, but I'm pretty sure actually... David kind of came out on top in that whole thing. Well, here's see, I'm also not a Bible scholar, but I kind of like to pretend that I am. Ooh, that's Ooh. it's fun to pretend. And uh, a lot be, of that going around. B- being that I'm a white male, I feel like I have something to offer in really any conversation, no matter how little sure. I know about it. As middle aged right. white men, we are all basically car mechanics, attorneys, doctors, and Bible scholars at that's all right. times. Yeah, uh, I think what happened is Saul. Became unanointed. Anointed? I don't anointed. think that's a thing. Well, he went from pre-anointed to unanointed. I now what? He was post-anointed. He it, was post-anointed. It, I could that could just be the allergies talking. Sure, absolutely. Sure. But I think Are that's you sure what the name happened. of Winter Allergy Medicines isn't anointium. That's right. <laughs> so so it's almost like so the reason why this doesn't directly contradict the very weird and inadvisable tweet that we're discussing right. is because it's like he his anointing got revoked. Right. So right. then it was Canceled. cool to, to rebel against right. it. Right. Got it. Got it. Would you say that he was impeached from his position of authority? 
For example, I certainly wouldn't. No, here's what and we're I don't saying. understand any parallels you're drawing. Here's mm. what we're saying, Jed. It's always a good idea to scare the bejeebers out of your children. Absolutely right. How else if will they behave themselves? Get on that's some right. borderline heresy in order to do it. That's great. That's right. You tell them things happen in the Old Testament. Don't let that be you, Billy. No. Sure. You know Here's, what I mean? If there's one important message that Christian parents can horrify their children with, mm. it's God always wants you to do what people in charge tell you to do. Right. That can't go horribly wrong at all. <coughs> we haven't had any long-running famous trials in, oh, Northern Europe. Right. Well, and it reminds me, it, you raise a very good point. You raise a great point. You know, it reminds me of when Peter was confronted by the Sanhedrin. Right. right? And they said, you know, didn't we command you not to preach and teach in the name of Jesus? Right. And as it records in the book of Acts, in a moment of remembering to always do what the white pastor guy on Twitter says, Peter replied, oh, you're right. I'll stop. I think he might have said something different. Nope, that's what it says. Nope. I think it says something about must obey God rather than men. That sounds right. That does not sound familiar. So that might not be it. I prefer my version. <laughs> well, we all remember it. Let's, let's, you know, because people get touchy about the Bible. Right. Mm. Particularly people who don't like what's actually in it. Sure. Ah. But let's, let's pull this out into Christian history. You know, we all remember uh, noted holy man, Martin Luther. Right. Um, you know, people who have a Reformed tradition, big fans of his. Mm. Sure. So he was doing a thing, and the ch- people who were in charge of the large church at the time, who certainly in their catechism are anointed by God, mm-hmm. they came to him and said, you got to stop this. And he said, here I stand, but I'll stand somewhere else if you want me to. Right. That's, that's well done. It doesn't, it's, in the German, it sounds weirder, but yeah, that's pretty right. much what it was. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Here I stand, but I can do other. Sure. You guys want me to do other? Yeah, right, right. I got ha- other. Happy to accommodate by doing whatever other you would prefer. Let me look. Let me just say this right now. You guys, with all your jokey little comments, yeah, are missing the big picture. Well, that's almost certainly true. Okay, please dig, do enlighten us. Okay, then dig this. What we're talking about here is why are you wearing three pairs of sunglasses right now, Glenn? <laughs> that's, what I'm, that's what I'm saying. It says you can't if somebody. Whoa! 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 Well, I just said whoa, stay. Whoa, whoa. Whoa. I mean, we uh. We'll beep it. <laughs> Thank you. We'll beep it. I, we, think it's, I think it's way funnier if we do. We, we don't use those kind of... This is a family broadcast, <laughs> sir. How dare you? <laughs> the allergies are making him too honest. Okay, I did, I, uh, okay. First of all, I did not curse. For once in my life, I did not curse. So nobody sure. can well, me Well, I mean, you didn't use one of the seven words, right. but wasn't it a curse in its own way? Okay. So so the 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 person who is to not be mentioned, sure. because we try to keep it classy. Sure. Pastor Mayonnaise McWhitebread. Okay. <laughs> so this, Sounds right. This person. Okay. Can we call him Reformatron? <laughs> Maybe. I, I am right now. He says, if you're anointed. Yeah. Everybody has to do what you say. Sure. Boom. So, simple question. How do we get anointed? Absolutely. You're we saying the, we, we buy the, up all the olive oil. Yes. Yep. Now we decide who's anointed. Boom. Then you got to do whatever we say do. Sure. Sure. Absolutely. Don't mess with the, the anointed one. That's right. That's so, right. So, you know, uh, basically, uh, you know, just get some oil, slather it on ourselves, roll it's, the world. It's who's the oilist at that point. That's right. Absolutely. <laughs> I want to live in a world where all Christian 
celebrities who get nonsense spats and want to put things, you know, preach things down from on high, where you can challenge them to olive oil wrestling. Yes. For doctrinal supremacy. Oleaginous. Yeah, no doubt. Let's let if we're gonna go, you know, if we're gonna go old school Greek, let's do it. Yeah, yeah. I'm I'm down. I think it's perfect. And yeah. on that mental image, yes, of someone getting unnamed Christian celebrity pastor here <laughs> in a quarter Nelson slathered in olive oil. Yes, I declare emergency off. Ooh, I think that's a great way to pick uh, leadership of the church. Totally, it's certainly not any dumber than the way we do it now. That's right. Now, that wasn't even a joke, folks. That was just a sad thing I said out loud. But anyway, yeah. we're going to transition roughly, oh so roughly, into Bridgebox. Because here's, here's what we didn't talk about Bridgebox this month. But maybe, maybe in the future, uh, we'll be down on top to think, what are some ways you can distort and brutalize Scripture in order to horrify people into behaving? It would be depressingly popular. Ah, mm. yes. But we're actually doing almost the opposite this week, this month in Bridgebox. I know how to say the thing I helped develop. Who says I don't? The June edition of Bridgebox is out, and we're talking about grace. Yes, we are. We've got sermons. We've got songs. We've got Bible studies. We have a Greek word study. Ooh. Very official, except that it's not official at all. We put it together using a free website. How's that $40,000 a year feeling about now? Yeah. Got all sorts of good stuff on grace. You can check out missionusa.com slash bridge box and if you want a taste of bridge box you can check out all our social media our tumblers the bridgechicago.tumblr.com our facebook facebook.com slash bridge chicago our twitter twitter that's at the bridge chi where we post songs and quotes throughout the month so if you want to check out uh, what bridge box is all about that is the easiest way to do it just go by like subscribe to those things and it'll be right in your feed once again missionusa.com slash bridge box all right we're gonna have our first question here this comes if you hang out with us all the way to the end, I'll give you the ways to get in touch with us. This one comes in to our inbox anonymously, and it says, What is your take on prosperity teaching? And this is important. Quote, pastors, unquote, asking for millions of dollars from their congregation to buy a private jet. Mm. Oh, how I wish that was a hypothetical. It's not. And not something that's happening in the actual world we live in. Yeah. Uh, Glenn, what's your take? <laughs> We've already had to bleep one thing you said this episode. Let's keep it family friendly. Okay. Well, here's what I'm saying is, uh, uh, no part of that is okay. No. Uh, that's what's going on here. Part of what you hear us do on this show a lot is try and provide left and right limits to all sorts of stuff that we say. Cause we want to, even though the, 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 you know, we know this person is struggling with one end of the spectrum. We want to make sure that you can't go to the opposite end of that spectrum. and Yeah, and you can't know. be the guy walking into church and going, hmm, new chairs, huh? Right. Well, it's right. all just crazy and prosperity gospel in here. That's right. Yeah. This, this is just not okay. There is not a different <laughs> viewpoint to have on that. And I'm sorry on that. I, you you want to provide as much balance and, and perspective and left and right limits as you can. The, and this kind of, as you pointed out, comes out of a story this week of a, a guy trying to get a jet. Um, his fourth jet. His fourth jet. Um, here's the thing. Maybe he wants to lash them all together and make one super jet. <laughs> yeah. Here's the thing is uh, I end up talking to a certain number of these people. Uh, <laughs> and uh, Now, by that, do you mean pastors or criminals? Because it's uh, true of both. I'm just not sure which one you're referring uh, to. Pastors, some of which uh, may be in legal trouble later. No. Who knows? Uh, but I, I'm talking to one particular guy. This is uh, out in L.A., and he 
um, is uh, we're in. The, he's having me meet him somewhere. We're in the parking lot, and he pulls up in an extremely expensive uh, car, and uh, I was looking at it. I wasn't saying anything, uh, but he said, "Well, you, I, I see you noticing my my nice car that and was I, engineered." And a by very smart people in order for you not to be able to not look at it, right? Yeah, and I said, oh yeah, it's, it looks like a nice car. And he says, well, actually, one of the members of the congregation uh, was getting a new car, and he gave this car to me. And I said, oh, okay. And he's cool. Yeah, he's like, I didn't want you to think that I paid for that with my own money because it's a super expensive car. I said, well, actually, A, I wasn't thinking anything at all about your car. B, uh, that would be the exact logical conclusion that anyone would draw. And so he says, well, yeah, I prayed about it for that very reason. And the Lord told me that I should keep it because it's my coat of many colors. Uh-huh. This, this, did this... Did he grasp the end of that story? Nope. <laughs> no, he did, did he not. always just drop that? Because there's like some books I'm, I've tried to read. Like I've tried to get through, you know, the, the Brothers Karamazov a thousand times. And just I tap out in the middle. Maybe that's what he was doing with that story. Sure, absolutely. He just doesn't know how it ends. Missed a few bits in there. <laughs> yeah. Uh, that's, uh, here's what I'm saying. Um, that just doesn't hold up. Yeah, nobody believes that. Yeah. And this is the, this is the thing, is a version of what they all think is... Uh, God wants to give me something fancy, and other people are likely to be jealous of that. And you know what? I can't do anything about that. Sure. Uh, the Bible that I'm working off of says, put off even the appearance of something evil. So there's uh, having the right image is important in that sense. So luckily, the Bible speaks to this exact thing. We don't have to enter into a human debate on these things. Um, uh, 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 Paul says that he's not like other people. He's talking to the Corinthians in Second Corinthians two seventeen. He says, "I'm not like these other people that uh, take the word of God and they do this thing he called capileu." Uh, uh, and here's what that word means. And I, you know, of, in terms of what he's doing with the word of, of God, he says, "I'm not capileu." And that means an unscrupulous merchant, a huckster who profits by peddling the word of God for personal gain. That doesn't sound good. Mighty specific and accurate definition. Yeah. So you don't want to be that. Uh, that's that's uh, that's the biblical thing. Um, it's it's worth pointing out briefly that these people target uh, people who. Um, are vulnerable, and that oftentimes is people uh, who are older and on fixed incomes, and they don't know exactly what they're giving towards, and they end up on on lists, and they get called every month. You know, pastor needs a new thing for whatever. They don't know what they're giving to. Uh, they may not know what day of the week it is in some cases, and that's where the money's coming from on a lot of these things. Uh, so it's not just that people are willingly and consciously giving because they think this is a good idea. In some cases, it's really taking advantage of people. Uh, and that's another layer to that that needs to be looked at. But one quick thing just before I hand this over to Jed. Here's the thing is, uh, on this podcast, a lot of times we'll talk about what's wrong with this idea. You know, it's, we, we joke about churches that put laser beams in their sanctuary and how silly that is, and it's silly waste of money, but 
What we're trying to do with that is a version of what we do when we talk to churches themselves. If we go in and talk to a church, we'll say, look, pastor, I can, I can tell you how great you're doing, and I can be a cheerleader in here for you if that's what you want, but here's what we're going to find out. You're doing a certain number of things well, and the only thing I can tell you about that is just keep doing that. Yep. You're doing a certain number of things poorly, and if you don't fix those, it's going to crash this whole thing. So the the phrase that we'll use is the the smallest link excuse me the smallest leak will sink the biggest boat you know it's that idea of the 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 problems and weaknesses in a church will take it out so we tend to look at and 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 focus on those negatives and I, and I'll point positive things out I'll say pastor you do this great you do that great and they often don't know that they're doing those things well so it's worth pointing out and saying you know lock that in do that the same way keep that going for sure. But over here is stuff you want to address. So when you hear us say a lot of negative stuff on the podcast, that's because that's what we do in real life, is we're going through and we're looking for things that can kind of sink the ship, so to speak, and helping them be forward thinking and address that. This is not that. This is just straight up not Christianity. And it's, it's pure, sinful, wrong, bad. So we have to try and draw some of those lines. Yeah, I think that's a really important point is we do a lot of uh, joking around the podcast, not as much joking. And we'll have people contact us, people we're friends in real life, say, well, I'm going to move to a new place and I'm checking out the church and there's lasers or a smoke machine. What, what's the deal? And a lot of times that is, you know, that's what somebody, you know, somebody's boss told him to hire a consultant. Right. The consultant said lasers. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's not good, certainly. Right, it's right. not. We talked about it in a recent episode with joking about like the scale of when the smoke machine. It's not necessarily a, an emblematic cultural problem. Right. It could be, you know, if you, if you get your starting a church in a white suburb kit, mm-hmm. it's going to come with some things that we think are total nonsense, right. but not really bad. Yeah, it's, it's gimmicky type stuff. It's a little silly. It's unnecessary. It's not helping. That's a whole different level than this stuff. Yeah, and it's one of the things we we do try to be pretty careful about. It's why we don't name uh, big-time famous people, really, because there's a lot of stuff that, even if we find it problematic or bad, um, good ministry can exist in the same world. Yes, that's right. Um, There's basically every popular Christian author, I personally, I'm not going to put this on Glenn or Jed, but yeah, I think they're I think it's mostly full of crap, Mm because you've never done any actual ministry, Right. This book is not doing any actual ministry. It's mm-hmm. taking the same three stories that happened to you 20 years ago and trying to blow that up for profit. Right. But I also know people who have real, uh, growing, serious relationship with the Lord who were either they were in prison or they were just really questioning, and that was the book that was in front of them. Mm-hmm. They opened it up. They found something good. Yeah. Yeah. And I can't deny that not because of, but more of in spite of the people who published this book, it actually did some good in the world. Yeah. And we have no interest in crapping all over mm-hmm. that. That's right. However, when you get your jet involved, yeah, as Glenn mentions, this level. is not this is not everything. Every church, every ministry is, has some good points and some bad points. There's some things. That, this is as Glenn's pointing out. This is a hustle. Mm-hmm. Yep, That's and we right. know ministry. We also know hustle. Oh uh-huh. yeah, we're very familiar with that. And Jed, one thing I, I would say on that is we uh, as over the years as Glenn has as I've done this work and as Glenn has told me stories, I think uh, all hustles involve. Something the mark, yes, which I think is the Greek term, mm. wants to be true. Yes, there's a, there's a saying a bunch of kind of guys who do a lot of kind of street level hustles that you can't hustle a person who isn't greedy. Yep, right. You are setting this up so that someone 
thinks they're getting something out of it and you get it over on them at the end. So I think in a not we, we're going to do a lot of judging. Yes. And rightly so. Sure. The Bible says, don't judge by a standard you don't want to be judged on. I'm comfortable with not ripping people off for jet money right. to be a standard I am held to. Right. So sure. we're standing on that. But it is worth looking at this, and I think in a little bit of a colder way to say this works. Yeah. And to the point to the uh, point of the verse that Glenn read out, this is literally as old as Christianity. Yeah, that's right. As long as there's some people talk about Jesus, there's some people trying to talk about Jesus e stuff for whatever the first century Roman equivalent of a jet was. Yes. The really fast donkey. Yes. But I think it's worth looking at some of that and understanding where this fits in if we want to. Um, talk to people in our family about why this may not be something they want to get involved in stuff. So can you help us kind of understand the psychology that's going on here? Sure. Absolutely. Well, let's, let's pull the camera all the way back and let's look at religion in a very broad sense. Um, let's just ask why do, apart from the underlying spiritual realities of the Lord, just why do people have religion? In, in a sociological sense, this is a thing that exists in every society in the history of the world. Exactly right. In a sociological sense, why do we have religion? One of the key reasons that we have religion is people want hope. Right, yep. They, they want hope. They, they want to feel a sense of positive anticipation about their future. They really, really, it's a basic human need, man. And religion is a big part of how Historically, most of humanity has gotten a dose of hope in their lives. And from a certain standpoint, false hope is better than no hope. And that is worth repeating. For most people, most of the time, false hope is better than no hope. Now, here's why that matters, and here's where it gets complicated. The promises of the prosperity gospel and of megachurch profiteers is false hope. The idea that God mm. wants you to be materially wealthy is not true. It's not in the Bible. Right. And here's the really fun thing. Um, it betrays common sense. Mm-hmm. It It is um, demonstrably false, just on the face of it. I mean, right. we. I'm sure at this point we're all familiar with people who are part of the flat earth movement. Right. There's something fun about a belief system that a weather balloon can disprove at any time. Right. Um, you know, and that's actually what we've got here is something where the slightest bit of analysis shows this to be false. It's it's false biblically, it's false empirically, it's 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 false economically. This just the the idea that God wants, you know, his his true children to be materially wealthy is false. There there can be so this is false hope. That's that's just taking greed and saying God's in favor of it. Sure, absolutely. Absolutely. But now here's the interesting thing. If you listen to this podcast, you know that we, to the tips of our toes, believe that Jesus Christ is the hope of the world. We really, really do. Here's the funny thing. You can walk into any number of churches on Sunday morning and leave with no sense of hope whatsoever. Yep. In fact, you can walk into any number of churches on Sunday morning and leave depressed. Mm-hmm. Leave feeling worse about the world and your place in it. Because they're not really trying to give you any hope. Um, what they're trying to do varies from church to church, but... They're not really trying to, to do the hope thing. That's, that's not what they're doing here. The people that are doing the prosperity gospel thing, they're in the hope business. Mm-hmm. It's false hope. Right. Um, right. It's, this is not going to happen, but they are in the hope business. And it turns out business is good. Right. Because people really, really, really want hope in their lives. And again, most people will gladly take false hope over no hope. I think if you're if part of your question is 
what do we do about all of this? Get in the business of offering people real and substantive hope. Matt said it, and he's right. People who are professional con men, their view is it is almost impossible to pull a con on someone who isn't greedy. Um, mm-hmm. You have to want something for a con to work. It's just there's no there's no way around that. And so it is here. These are I'm using the word pastor here very loosely. The 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 in inverted commas, as our British friends would say. Yeah. Exactly right. The um, it's an actual peek behind the curtain. We are all just tore up with allergies and sinus problems up here. Right. So. I heard Glenn has allergies. He, he I does. have allergies. Oh. So I'm not sure if anyone else is allowed to. But. Certainly not. But I'm saying I'm operating on half speed. So <laughs> so bear with me for a second. But the the so-called pastors they are on purpose preying on people who are desperate. Yep. That's right. It's not a happy accident that they found one another. That's who they're going after. Yeah, they're, right. they're they're saying you are desperate. I would like to sell you hope in exchange for a small amount of money. It's it's false hope, but never you mind about that. People who are getting real hope from legitimate and godly channels, it's much harder to tempt them. Yeah, much much harder. The problem is there are so few channels that are offering real and substantive hope. And and here's here's one more thing I'll I'll add on that. We were talking about pastors and and saying inadvisable things. There's another famous pastor in the past week who was writing about the importance of confessional integrity, which is a fancy way of saying believing the right things, believing true statements about God and his word. And his alarm that that did not translate into um right living. And that, that came as a great surprise to him. <gasps> Christians doing naughty things. Yes. It, it's not a surprise to any of us. Uh, it turns out <laughs> no. you can believe all the right things and still be a, a hot mess. But here's, here's how it relates to this. Confessional integrity, having a perfect statement of faith, believing all the right stuff, doesn't mean you are proclaiming the gospel to anybody. That's right. Yeah. At all. In fact, I would challenge you with this. I, I would have you think about this. The more, the more that a church confesses good doctrine in general, the less likely I find them to be to actually giving people hope on a Sunday morning. Right. Um, that's why prosperity teaching is able to exist. The more that people have a solid grounding in all the things that are true about God, the less likely they are to be presenting a message of hope on Sunday morning. Mm-hmm. We go to so many churches, you wouldn't believe it. And I found that to be true consistently. If people were actually proclaiming the good news of Jesus Christ and giving people real and substantive hope for their future, there would be far, far fewer takers for the heresy that is the prosperity gospel. I think it's a great point. It's worth kind of highlighting here because going to try to say this gently. Um and we we've made this point before. We we talked about this in our we talk about this in our private conversations. Um at this point in American suburban mainstream Christian culture, the prosperity gospel has won. Yes. Right. That is mainstream Christianity. Yes. Now it may not be the full, you know, we got to get a jet up in here, but mm-hmm. every church that holds a big conference to tell you how to church it up, they're coming in, they're showing you their lighting rig. And the underlying idea is if you do the Jesus stuff just right, you'll have all this cool stuff. Mm-hmm. And we're all buying into that to a certain extent. Um, and if we don't have that, there's also the, uh, what I call the emotional prosperity gospel, which is a 
uh, cousin of emotional legalism, which Ooh. is not if you do a naughty thing, God will crush you. That's just that's just old school Jed legalism. Emotional legalism is if you do a naughty thing, won't you feel sad? Ooh, yes. And if you do good things, won't you probably feel happy all the time? <laughs> no. If you really pursued your faith, wouldn't you have an emotional jet? <laughs> it would fly around the world on. But this all does does kind of tie into that same thing of uh, it's pretty good. It's pretty good sales pitch. It's not true, but uh, that only hurts it to such an extent. Mm-hmm. So, to, so Jed's point. Uh, we we spent a lot of time, again, both on air and off, um, railing, mocking, swearing at this idea and these people. But one of the things it's it's worth doing, if you're a person who's in ministry, if you're a person who has people in their life that may be being affected by this, if you're just trying to, as we talk about a lot, if you're just trying to exist in the world as someone who is openly Christian and not letting all the weirdos speak for you is understand why this works. Mm-hmm. That is entirely worth investigating. As Jed is pointing out, there's the hope element. There's the belonging element. There's, if you listen to any of these, these hucksters, there's a lot of, we just want to do amazing things. And, you know, literally the guy with the jet is saying, and this has actually happened for a couple of these dudes. Cause apparently jets is, is the new hotness in uh, Christian grifter circles of like, well, you know, Pastor just has so many amazing appointments that he just commercial airlines it would be too slow. He's got to be able to hop on and go at a moment's notice. And again, you look at that and say, okay, well, that's insane. That's crazy. You'd be surprised at the number of churches who really puff their chest up when they mention Pastor's not here this week because he's at a conference. Right. He's speaking to this group of people. It's very important. Aren't you amazed at how important it is? Does Pastor know your name? Yeah, well, you know, a lot going on. Mm. Maybe if you uh, get on the platinum package, get on the jet with them, you'll ah. learn it. But again, so but it's it's again, it's worth looking at why a lot of large membership churches, even the ones that, as we pointed out, are doing good work and are doctrinally sound in a way that these people certainly are not. Why is that a thing that is appealing? That is a strategy, so that when is if Grandma says, you know, I I said the thing with the jets, and I gotta do that, and you say, okay, but do you get to ride on the jet? Right. Is, is this is that like your like because you were gonna go to Miami anyway, but now he takes you on the jet? What are we doing here? Because as um, again, this is true of uh, secular grifts as well. Um, a lot of this runs on just pure momentum. Just you know, we, we talk with people who are con artists in real life, and it's all well. You got to know, we got to decide by tomorrow. You know, the train trains moving, another guy's going to do it. It's it's the used car sales pitch. So part of what if you have people who you're trying to understand this is understand what it's offering them. Understand why it won't give it to them and be able to lay that out in a clear, and as we're, as it is very important, we need to reserve our judgment for the perpetrators and not the marks. Yep. Right. Doesn't do anybody any good to be mad at the old lady or mm-hmm. uh, unfortunately, and this is, this will really blow your mind. Um, inner city people who've been in jail are huge um, marks for the prosperity gospel. Yep. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of inner city churches that they don't, they don't have any money. The people in the pews don't have any money, but they're doing prosperity time. Mm-hmm. And we, we deal with a lot of that. We'll have people who come to the bridge who we know are good people. Or we're kind of, we're saying, well, I was over there and, you know, uh, Deacon so-and-so was saying this, that, and the other, and it sounded great. And if you've never had any money, God wanting you to have money sounds pretty good. Yeah. But again, it doesn't, just do, it doesn't do us any good to say, well, that's, that's stupid. That's right. true. But you're not stupid for believing it. You right. want, it's, 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 a ta- it's a good sales pitch. It's stacking these things. Mm-hmm. So it's all utter nonsense, but it doesn't do us any good to just say, oh, well, that's naughty and heresy and we shouldn't even deal with those people because they're terrible it's it's a thing it exists it, if for those of us who are not on it 
I think it is a good thing to at least put a cursory idea into understanding why that is so effective. So as these guys talked about, we can make the thing that has the actual, you know, God and stuff behind it effective in that same way. One other little tidbit on that is um, a number of pastors have a sizable number of their congregation that will listen to prosperity preachers through the week on YouTube or the radio or whatever it is. And those guys who talked a lot about whatever confessional... Uh, confessional integrity. That, that one. Uh, won't say anything. <laughs> I used anything. to watch that show late at night on the USA Network. Yeah, those those guys won't... Uh, confessional <laughs> integrity. <laughs> After dark. <laughs> somebody's playing a sax. Yeah, it's, for some for reason. reason. There's just red high heels walking across That's the right. screen. It's a whole deal. But here's what I'm saying. These pastors that talk about confessional integrity, they have people in their congregation that, that listen and watch that stuff, and they've all found out if I say something bad about that, there's an uproar, so I'm not going to say anything bad about yep. it. So that's a part of how that yep. stuff thrives as well. So we have to recognize this is one of those things where it kind of goes all around, and the the, the right thing is to be able to understand where to draw those lines. Yeah, absolutely. One more thing I'll add on to, to Glenn's add-on there is there's just this idea of that's a, a big reason of why we talk a lot in this show about just because something is quote-unquote Christian in genre doesn't make it good at all. Yeah. Because a lot of those folks, as, as Glenn's pointing out, they want to listen to the Christian radio station because it's Christian or watch their Christian TV channel because it's Christian, and then all this really awful stuff gets in through that because they don't have their guard up because they just assume, well, it's it's you know it's Christian TV, so it's got to be great. It's got to mm-hmm. be anointed. That's why we talk so much about whether it be music or books or whatever. Just because someone slaps a Christian label on it doesn't mean you have to buy that hook, line, and sinker, nor that you should. That's right. We're going to jump to a much lighter question, too. Uh, this is, this one came into our Tumblr inbox. I think it's, it's an interesting uh, question, A, and B. It's just something we don't talk about on the show a lot. Our friend asks, is heaven fun and exciting? Mm. Not, it's one of those things where I came in the Tumblr inbox, and I thought, oh, that's a weird question. I thought, there's a lot going on there, so sure. it's worth talking about. And Jed, why don't you start us off? Well, I'm glad that you wrote in. That's a good question. Um, if you can dig it, it's not the first time I've been asked it, and usually when I've been asked it, where it comes from is people who are sorely afraid that God's desire for them is that they be bored. Jed, does it have the undercurrent of, is heaven just going to be like church forever? Yeah, that's right. Because <laughs> not sure I'm signing on for that. Yeah, that's right. Um, God doesn't want you to be bored. Right. We can. I think that's what you're wondering, and the answer is God does not want you to be bored. But I think it's really, really worth looking at who gave you the idea that God wants you to be bored? Because yeah. one of the things, and this actually in a weird way, it ties back to the previous question. Um, one of the things that, that is an odd living out of, you know, early 21st century American Christianity is that Christianity is a belief system, but it's also become a set of aesthetic preferences. Um, we like soft music and... Um, Soft colors. Sweaters. A lot of sweaters. Um, we like to drive a nice, um, sensible crossover SUV. Um, pleated slacks. A lot of pleated slacks. Um, enjoy attending, you know, the 730 service on a Saturday, but also the 9 a.m. on Sunday. Mm. You know, get a, get a little of both, you know? Yeah. We like our radio programming to be safe for the ears in the backseat. Right. 
and um, we we really enjoy some Froyo. Encouraging, positive, awful music. <laughs> now here's the funny thing: is there's nothing there's nothing wrong with Froyo. There's nothing right. wrong with pleated slacks. There's nothing wrong with a crossover SUV. Well, there are things wrong with pleated slacks. Well, and crossover SUVs. They are not in and of themselves immoral. Absolutely. But there are things wrong with them. There's nothing immoral about any of them. Thank you. There are things wrong with pretty much all of them. But here's, that's neither here nor there. Here's why I say all that. Here's the key takeaway. None of that has anything to do with biblical Christianity. Right. Hello. Even a little bit. Yeah. Which, it's weird that we should have to point that out, but Mm. we kind of do because, again, at this point, there really is a sense of, if you're going to buy into the Jesus, you got to buy into the rest of it, too. Right. If you're going to buy into Jesus, you need to get a pair of pleated slacks and a sweater and start showing up and, uh, you know, and eating some Froyo. That's, that's what, that's what signing up for Amazon prime. It comes with all these ancillary packages. That's exactly right. That's exactly right. And this is the thing, dude, if you like pleated slacks, good on you. I'm, you know, they're, they're comfortable, sensible fashion choices. Doesn't have anything to do with Christianity. Nope. Um, if you want to be the kind of Christian that wears, um, medieval armor everywhere you go. We need someone like that in the kingdom of God. That's right. We may not need many of them, but we definitely need you for sure. Who's going to reach all the other people who don't know Jesus that love to wear armor? To- I, for, as a real point, yes, yes absolutely. Totally Somebody's got to be honest. at that Ren Fair. That's what I'm Preferably not in a tropical climate. That's right. Dude. If you're the armor guy, it's probably good that you don't live in India because yeah. that would go bad. Yeah. It's funny you say that. I was in the Ren Fair when I was in high school. In Miami, right. I had a ton of friends, all of whom were unchurched, and did wear literal armor in literal tropical climates. Man, you you want it at that right. point? <laughs> Absolutely. We whatever weird thing that is your thing, we need that in the kingdom. Yeah, yeah. We do not need you to go through a beigeification right. where you accept yes. Jesus and start wearing you know Dockers. Man, yeah. is that not good for anybody? We got enough of those already. We we. Our Docker More supply than than is full up. Right. <laughs> so what we need is we, you know, we need people to embrace that a big part of being a Christian is being fully who you are. Mm. That that really is true. Being a Christian is about discovering who God made you to be and going full out and holding nothing back from that process. If God made you a Dockers and sweater guy, then sweater it up, dude. I mean, sweater mm. it with everything you've got. Right. If God, you have a V-neck over your cable knit. <laughs> I didn't even know that was possible. I can't be healthy. You've invented sweater layering I've never even heard of. If God made you to be the kind of guy that wears a Run DMC T-shirt from the mid '80s, and all you're into is that and that scene, right. go nuts. Yeah, we need that. Yeah, the, the kingdom of God needs that. But here, here's how that ties back to your question about heaven. Let's talk about life on Earth for a second. The life God has for you is not boring, I guarantee it. Yeah. The life God has for you may be occasionally terrifying, um, it may be a bit overwhelming, it's anything but boring. I I experience, uh, male-type persons don't experience a wide range of emotions. Right. Uh, I mean, really, really. Like anger, sleepiness. Yes. Constipation. Sure. Those are all the emotions. That's that's about Pretty it. Much. Horniness. I mean, if you say so. Right. Right. The one thing that I never experience is boredom. Right. 
I am many things. I am never bored. God does not want you to be bored. I promise you. I guarantee you. And the reason I'm talking about the identity stuff is the more you live into the person God truly made you to be, the less bored you are going to be. If we can embrace a life today where we follow Jesus in a not bored way, I think we're going to find our concerns about having being boring start to go down quite a little bit. I think that's a really fantastic point. And Glenn, I think it gets to the heart, as, as Jed points out, of what's at this. Um, you know, is is having fun and exciting. That's um, we we can answer that. That one's pretty quick. Yes. Yeah. You know, Paul says, "I has not seen, ears not heard, nor has it entered into the mind of God, right? The mind of man. What this is like. Not only is heaven good, better, fun. I read positive words. It is so much so that your tiny brain could not contain it. Right. But I think Jed is absolutely right that this belies an attitude that a lot of us are raised with. A lot of us pick us somewhere along the way that, um. Church stuff is good, but naughty stuff is fun. Right. Transgression right. is fun. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. to live in a, in a paradise where we can't, where we inherently aren't doing anything wrong, right? How could fun exist? Right, right. And I think Jed's right that we need to kind of that affects the way we live life if we yeah. let that idea get into it. So what would we say to that? Well, for sure. I mean, uh, Jesus uh, called it paradise, so that's probably pretty good. You know, it's probably fairly enjoyable. Uh, it's also probably going to be better than that other place. So Cleveland, yeah, that yeah. Well, pretty much the other place will be very much like Cleveland. Ah, well, I don't want to uh, go there. It, well, it's like Cleveland, but you can never leave. Oh, Just that's think the about, worse. Think about that. It's so, the Cleveland Airport. That's right. So, um, but I, I, I think to Jed's point, uh, if you get closer to heaven now, you'll have a, a sense of what that's like, in a sense. Uh, you know, as as Jed's also pointing out, uh, the the little speech I make to who anyone who comes to work for this organization is, you will not get rich, for sure. You're you're working for this ministry is agreeing with yourself and with me that you will not be wealthy. Uh, but the one thing that is for sure is you will never be bored. You you may be occasionally <laughs> terrified. Or you may there may be moments of, uh, you know, am I about to uh, have a disaster? Unfortunately, try to be bored when you're fleeing. <laughs> That's right. Uh, but uh, ultimately, uh, I think the the right way of looking at this is that uh, when when I would go and do bad things in my past, here's here's what happened. I was not trying to have fun. I was trying to anesthetize the not fun yeah. I was having. Uh, I, I was having problems in my life, so I was trying to do, get, do something to distract me from that. So that is, not, that is not having fun. That is just trying to avoid pain. When I'd wake up the next morning, I would feel all of that pain plus the consequences of whatever stupid thing that I had done the night before. So... There is a brief moment of not pain, and then a long stretch of everything is worse. And I say, you know what I got to do about this? Do something to anesthetize this pain. It's the will, perfect plan. Which will also make it worse. It, this is this is this is the the the, the plan most people are on. Sure, but uh, here's what happened when I started getting closer to God, closer to His kingdom. Uh, closer to heaven is that 
I found more enjoyment in what I was doing and the, 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 the life that I was experiencing. I was having better relationships. I was getting closer to people. I'm feeling more peace. I have more of a sense of a purpose. I have more of a sense of an identity. All of these things are getting better, but I would wake up the next day and realize the consequences of all this are positive. Yeah. I'm, I'm a better person. I have a better lined out life. I have a richer, more full life. I have better friends. Everything is getting better and better. Not only that, I'm I'm little by little making everyone else's life around me better, which actually feels pretty dang cool. You know, you start to feel good about yourself. So I think um, the the way of uh, of looking at this is is to not compare it as Jed saying to the church environment you may have come up in. It's definitely not to think, am I going to spend eternity with this putz? Because that's that's the wrong way to look at that. Um, uh, I have no idea really what heaven will be like. Uh, and uh, as as Matt's pointing out, I don't believe my brain can fully take that in. Uh, but I have to imagine being surrounded by putzes for all eternity would not be paradise. Therefore, uh, probably not exactly it. Probably not exactly it. Uh, I think it's about getting as close as you can to that kingdom, being part of the kingdom, experiencing that kingdom life now here on earth, knowing that it's just a tip of the iceberg of everything that it, that is to come, and then you'll have a sense of what your future holds. And it's a great point. It really does kind of get down to what we're saying here. Of This, this actually does tie kind of into the, the first question and the, the way we started off the show with this idea of, you know— um, I, it is inherent to to for something to be fun. It must be transgressive. It must be, you know, something someone doesn't want me to do. Uh, not only do we have, as a crew up here in Chicago, have more fun than any of us ever had in our lives. We get away with more capers and shenanigans, no doubt, than you could possibly oh, imagine yes. <laughs> in service of God's kingdom. That's right. As Glenn has often, as not along with, you will never be financially. Uh, let's say rolling in it. Right. Um, if you say that, one of the other things uh, Lynn tells you is in order to succeed in this, in this career, in this arena, in this job, you must engage your crooked side. Right. You cannot put that out to pasture. You're going to no. need that. Yeah. And uh, that's kind of where part of the fun comes from. Part, part of what the thought here is, well, how could you have fun when you're not kind of trying to sneak, sneak around and do something off the side and all that? If you want to start actually getting involved in making people's lives better, you're going to find a whole heap of that. Oh, yeah. And uh, all sorts of... You have to of, color outside the lines a lot. You know? No doubt about it. Um, but that's, is back to Jed's point, that's that's what we need in the kingdom. We got yes. plenty of people who color inside the lines with only gray crayons because they don't want to freak anybody out, man. Right. But again, to the point of this is not... Becoming a Christian, and this is kind of the theme of this episode so far, is it is not about... Be becoming part of this one monolithic culture mm-hmm. that says behave, anointing, eat your vegetables, all of that is part of Christianity. It's not. Mm-hmm. Um, this is, you know, what makes heaven heaven is God. It's not that, you know, it's not clouds and whatnot. Mm-hmm. Uh, what makes heaven heaven is perfect union with God at all times. That's what's good about it. Um, and that is, as Glenn's pointing out, a little bit of, we can get a little closer. We can't get that on earth. We can get a little closer. We can mm-hmm. have better union with God. That's going to lead to more fun. And so we often point out, uh, this is actually a big hurdle fear, I guess would be the word with the folks we work with, work with at the bridge yep. mm-hmm. is, well, how do I have fun? Yeah. Which we often 
have to remind them, this is a line from Glenn, and we all, we all steal it liberally, you've never had fun. That's right. <laughs> you've been drunk. Right. You've been high. Right. You've never had fun. Right. Because if you have to be drunk or high for it to be fun, it's not fun. <laughs> That's right. That's why a lot of bars are awful places, because they assume everybody's going to be drunk. Right. We don't need to clean it. So the, we talked about this idea of hangover-free fun. Can you imagine going out, doing something positive, enjoying yourself, and then waking up? without feeling like your head's in a vice and all your money's gone. Right. And when you look at it that way, pretty positive thing. Yeah. So again, heaven will be fun, and so is your Christian life meant to be. We're going to move on to our final question here. It came in anonymously to our Tumblr inbox. It says, I've trained all my life to be a professional dancer, but I've never actually gone professional. There were some things holding me back, mostly fear, stressful, and humiliating past experiences haunt me, so I don't go to auditions anymore or dare enter competitions. I put my career off for so long, and now I've got a cutoff age to worry about. I'm wasting time being stuck in a situation I hate because I'm too scared to step out with the faith that God will help me help a chicken out. Thanks. And Glenn, love to get you to start us off here. Well, stop it. Wow. Well done. That's yeah. good. Well done. I'll expand on that. Uh, yeah, here's the thing. My, uh, my mom uh, was a dance teacher my whole growing up years. I kind of grew up around that environment. My uh, cousin, bless her heart, it, uh, was the choreographer for the New Orleans Saints, uh, Saintsations, uh, uh, the uh, dancing part there. And uh, so I'm, I'm sort of in that, uh, peripherally in that environment where I, you know, I'm just, I hear the stories and, you know, kind of uh, absorb the vibe sure. of what all that is. Uh, but uh, you know, part of what I think uh, you ought to be looking at on this uh, is the idea that anything creative that you want to do, you're not helped by being self-conscious at all in any of that. You're not helped. You're, in other words, you're not becoming a better artist. You're not becoming. Uh, you're not expressing yourself better. Uh, I think th we have to look at the regrets. Don't come from failure. They they come from failing to give it your all. That's really the thing. If, you, in other words, if you went to a dance thing and you just danced however you wanted, all out, and gave it and did it the way you wanted to do it, and they didn't like it, you can walk away saying, "Well, I just wanted it to do it this way. They wanted to do it that way, and that's that's life." You know, they gave up the opportunity to have a super cool dancer, and I I did it my way. That's something you can say that. If you don't do anything with it, or if you just are so self-conscious that you're kind of all tensed up, then it's going to be sort of a robotic thing, a mechanical thing, and it's not going to be good, and you're not going to enjoy it. And then if they reject that, you're sitting there saying, I don't know if I could have made it. You know, that, that not knowing is the hard part. It, the reject, you think the rejection would be bad. If you're rejected, giving it your all, you can say, "Hey, well, you know, there was an aesthetic choice. It was they wanted to go a different way, and that's fine." But if you don't give it at all, you ever afterwards you're thinking, "What if I had done it all the way out? What what would have happened there?" Uh, I think you'll. I, I think often that you'll get over a fear, fear of failure once you fail often enough. Uh, that's how you. That's how you get over it. Really, is you just fail and you see that it doesn't kill you and then you fail a little bit more and you realize well that's you know it's it's a bummer but you know it's not like i'm going to steer my whole life around that and live according to that but i think the thing is 
Um, to ask yourself, here's the thing. I, I, I do uh, quite a bit of counseling with people on issues where fear is the, is the root thing. Jet and I are actually talking about this last night, uh, how common fear is as a struggle that mm. people have. It, it may manifest itself in different ways, insecurity, worry, et cetera, and so on. Uh, but it really kind of comes back to that. You know what's funny? When I talk to people who are really in the grips of fear, they don't want to let it go. No, they don't. You know, they want to live outside of that. You know, they, they wish it wasn't hurting them. You know, they, they, that's, that's, but they, they're, they're, um, there's a gravity to it. There's a magnetism. To yeah. It. And there's, there's something that feels unsafe about letting go of that. There's that something bad would happen if I wasn't afraid of this situation. It's risky somehow. It's what, I mean, fear guarantees you'll fail. That's, that's for sure. So everything automatically is going to be less likely to fail if you're not afraid. So that's, that's just an automatic. So there's no logic to that. But I think there's, the, the, I, when I talk to people who are in the grips of fear, there's something they don't like about courage. They just don't like the idea of being that person. They don't like the idea of 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 uh, stepping into that world. It it just seems like there's something that would go wrong with that. And the problem there is that that's who God is calling us all to be. He's not anointing our fears. He's not a, anointing a hyper cautious way of living. That that again, as we were talking about before, that might seem like a culturally Christian way of being hyper cautious. Uh, God is actually saying you need to take courage and you need to step up and you need to act and you need to go and you need to dance your little butt off and do it the best way you know how and do it as unto him. You know, that you're dancing with all your might before the Lord as David did and you're just giving that everything. And let the chips fall where they may. You know, maybe it works out, maybe it doesn't, but you won't have regrets if you say, I gave it my all. I think the the bottom line on all this and I'll, I'll send it around is, when you've got a fear going, you can't wound that. You've got to kill it. You have to have that mentality of, I'm in an attack. I'm going to go on the offensive. When I have any kind of a fear, I'm going to, atta- I'm going to go forward on that thing. And I'm going to get the wisdom that I need, because you know, stepping out in faith and having courage and wisdom are meant to go hand in hand. You do both of those things at the same time. You don't take stupid chances. You don't go off sort of without doing any thinking and planning and all of that. The, all of that is should go together, all in one piece. But it's, it's about having an attitude of, if I feel afraid about this, and I know I feel afraid about it, I am purposely going to do something about that, to overcome that, to attack that thing. Uh, having that attitude, I've, I'm afraid of this, and I'm going to try and work around it. I'm going to try and and negotiate with it. I'm going to try and find ways to where I'm just a little bit less freaked out, and then I can go ahead and do my thing. That's not going to work. Absolutely right. Now, it may be advantageous. We will put this swim on there. You may not want to dance exactly like David did. If you know that story, there are some details that, you know... Depends on where you're dancing. With the enthusiasm of, yes, but there's some details that, you know, it doesn't have to be that exact mold. That's right. It's an Old Testament joke for that. That's right. And, Jed, I think there's there's something missing uh, from what our our friend writes here. Maybe it's in there, maybe it's not, we don't know. There doesn't... At no point do they say, and I want to be a dancer. Yeah. It's, I trained to do it, therefore, here we are. Kind of an important point. 
It is um, no judgment. We're really glad that you that you wrote in, but you know, one of the things you always look for when people are talking about their problems is uh, the idea of the dog that doesn't bark. The so you know, and this is something I learned from Glenn. It's a Sherlock Holmes story, right? Mm-hmm. You know, and so there's been a breakery and a robin, and they're trying to figure out who done it. And then Sherlock's great idea was, well, the dog didn't bark. Right. Therefore, it had to be someone the dog knew, right? So we can, you know, we can figure out uh, who the likely suspects are on that basis. So, when people are talking about their problems, it's always interesting to look at the things they didn't say. Yeah, you didn't say you like to dance. You didn't say that this is your passion. You didn't say that you know more than anything, I want to be a dancer, but I'm held back by this fear. You said I've done a lot of training to do it, so I should probably do it. That's actually not a good reason to pursue any career. That's a great point. And what you do say is I had a, have had stressful and humiliating experiences around this thing. So it would be a perfectly logical case to not want to be around that thing that you have associated trauma with. Absolutely right. Absolutely right. If this, it sounds like to, to look at the things you didn't say and then through that lens, look at, at some things that you did say, it sounds like dancing has been an awful experience for you is what it sounds like. And that maybe you almost feel a sense of obligation of like, I kind of have to go all the way with it. Got to use your gifts. Yeah, because otherwise I'm, I'm bad. If you love dancing, if it is the cry of your heart to dance. Then, as it is for Jed. As it is for me, dude. <laughs> you, you wouldn't believe it. No, you should not believe it. If you if you love to dance, if it is if the you know if your soul says I must dance, then you should do exactly what Glenn said. Yeah, um, you should receive courage from the Lord. You should attack that fear head on. You should take those auditions and give it everything you've got. And let the chips fall where they may. That's that's fine. But I do think you should ask: Is this the thing you actually want? Right. Because um, I'm not convinced it is. And and let's look at if, if that's what we're dealing with. This is not really, really what you want, but you feel a sense of obligation. Let's look at a couple of things on that. The first is some of the most um, amazing people I know are people who studied very hard to do one thing, then did something else, and discovered all the weird ways that that first thing was preparation for the second in ways that they would not have anticipated. Um, we, we have on our staff uh, two people who are former professional musicians who went as hard at that as people can go. Um, they, they have literally played all over the world. They both have postgraduate degrees in music performance. They have uh, taught at the university level. They've composed pieces. They've done the deal. They've got talent. Too. They've got talent. And they both reached a point where they said, Oh, I hate this. Right. This is the worst. And they moved on and they both have extremely successful careers doing other things. But I think the funny thing is none of that was wasted um, uh, uh, in in ways that that are that are discovered over time. There's all kinds of things that that background built into them that actually are strengths today because of that background. I can tell you for me, I studied engineering. I worked in engineering for a while. I hated working in engineering. I was good at it. I had a lot of background in it, but man, did I hate doing that. The trains were too loud for you? The the trains were the worst. (laughs) Absolutely. I'm so, so glad. Everybody enjoys a train joke. I'm so, so glad that I do not work in engineering today. But, it's an unbelievably valuable background to have for the things that I do today. Right. There is so much about the stuff that the Lord has for me today that would be difficult, if not impossible, if I didn't have that background. 
it's really, really, really super valuable. So if the if the idea is I have to be a dancer because I've made this investment, otherwise I'm being a bad steward, you know, and I'm I'm not using my gifts. It's not like that. Let the Lord guide you where He wants you. Um, you. You should for sure get in touch with whether or not you want to be a dancer, and I, I'm wondering if we are. We also want to let the Lord guide us. Of, are, are you actually trying to get me to do this? If the Lord's leading you to do something that isn't dance, He will for sure take all those years of training and bring them to be a source of strength in ways that you can't see today. I guarantee you that's true. But again, in a weird way, this decision is another thing where we're being held back by fear. On the one hand, we're being held back by the fear of going to an audition and failing. On the other level, we're being held back by a fear of wasting these years of preparation yeah. in our lives. Yep. Don't make decisions based on fear. Right. Right. Not based on the fear of failing at an audition. Not uh, based on the fear of you know being a bad steward or a bad investor. Let God guide you. Let passion guide you. Let love guide you and go where those things lead. Go ahead and more thing on this. Yeah, real quick, because I, I love everything that Judd's saying, and it kind of opens up, in my mind, sort of a third possibility where is there a chance that you love dance in the broadest sense but this particular dance yeah pa- career path so to speak is one that would kind of be toxic for you and wouldn't be healthy i mean we you know we're around a lot of creative people doing creative things and some of them just their career has them in a place where it's just it's not emotionally healthy for them and it's just a bad environment that they don't you know they're not prepared for or whatever. Um, I think in that case, it's about going to the Lord and letting him open up a different way of expressing that, you know, in terms of there's a different dance thing that he might have for you. I mean, every inner city church that I know of would die to have a cool dance team thing where the kids come in and they learn a little dance thing and they do it in church on Sunday. I mean, the, we. I mean, we work with inner city churches, and they all are trying to do that right now yep. because it's just. A and great... some of them need the choreography help. Oh yeah, we have been to these things. Yeah, I mean, it's 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 a great way for people to get young people in the church. It's a great way for their parents they to put come on a little thing on Saturday night, and the, yeah. the parents come from the neighborhood. It's a whole thing. Oh yeah, and and they'll go and do other churches and the denomination. It's a whole. You know, that, that's that's fantastic stuff. Uh, you know, there's a zillion ways for you to to work with that and 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 uh, do ministry even with it, and so let the Lord redirect that. If you're you're saying I, this is just an unhealthy thing for me. I think it's I think it's great. One more, because uh, obviously we're we're trying to talk in the big picture of getting over fear, which we all have to deal with, and we're trying to help our specific friend with the dancing thing and the micro here. But let me add one more thing to this. We talk a lot on the show about fear, about facing fear, about getting over it. It's very important. It's an important life skill. It's an important skill for living out the Christian walk. But we do want to be clear that there's, there is in some ways this monolithic idea of overcoming fear, which we, we don't want to it seem like we are wholeheartedly endorsing, which is this idea of bad thing happens, so I have to have my big third act of the movie moment where I face it down directly and steamroller over it. Right. There are some things, as Glenn's pointing out, where that's kind of how you got to do it. You know, you're afraid to ask someone out, buck up. As we often say, you won't die. Right. And maybe this, that may be the exact same thing with our friend with the dancing. Mm-hmm. I'm super afraid to go to an audition and they wouldn't like me. Go to the audition. Uh, as I, my friends who are in creative things, I understand most auditions feel like death. Um, right. Because right. almost nobody gets picked. Only one person can get picked. Right. But you will find out that you don't die. 
Yeah. But again, I'm zeroing in this thing. If there's stressful and humiliating experiences, if you have had trauma, if someone, if something, I'm not going to go into details, but if something bad has happened to you, it is not giving into fear to not want to be in a place where you would have to relive that. Yeah. Right. In That's that right. case, not living in fear looks like finding a support group, finding a therapist, mm. living, yeah, finding you're taking a, control. Absolutely, of it, finding you know? a way to yeah. to live a good life. What God's mm. calling you to do, and that may involve, as Glenn's pointing out, you know, using dance in other ways yeah, or whatever your yeah. whatever your thing is. If you, you know, if you grew up an athlete and just had coaches who were just complete jerks and got screamed all the time, you don't like it. Nobody's, you don't have to be do that anymore. You can mm-hmm. yeah. do your thing. You can eventually, you know, get go coach the soccer team or whatever. But yeah. we want to be clear when we talk about overcoming fear, it's an important thing to do, but that is not a one size fits all solution right. of you have to stare down this thing. For some, for some cases, in a lot of cases, that's true. But in cases where uh either you've had a, tra- a traumatic event, that is it would be irresponsible and it's not what we're ever telling you to do to say, well, just buck up and get over it. That's, that's right. not that's Give, right. It's not giving into fear to say right. this is a real thing that happened in my life and I need some help right. to redirect that. That yeah. we we love that. We want you to do that. We want if you don't know where to get that started, you can email us. We'll we'll happy to get all that for you. But if that's not the case, you know, buck up and get over it. Yeah, I yeah, I think you're you're making a strong point of uh there's a lot of toxic environments around creative stuff, and it's worth figuring out if if that's just affecting me negatively. It may be less about fear, more about just, you know, this is just a, a, a an environment I don't want to be in because it's just not good for me. That's a different thing, and it's it's good to find, to, as you're saying, take control and find a healthier environment. Yeah, if, if you get hit by a car and you, you know, take an extra couple of looks when you cross the street in a crosswalk, it's not giving in to a life of fear. Right. It's just, you know, that's right. going on with the experience you've had. There's absolutely right. nothing wrong with that. All right. If you have a question for us, say that podcast at gmail.com, thebridgechicago.tumblr.com. You can also send us a message on our Facebook page. No one's ever done it, but you can. Ooh. I don't know what it does. I don't know what it means, but Facebook was excited to send me many, many emails about it. Oh. So I assume it's important. So A, okay. thank you to Sarah and B, if you're over there, facebook.com slash bridgechicago. Leave us a rating. Maybe something will happen eventually. A five-star rating. We, yes, d- we don't want ratings other than no, that. No, no, no. <laughs> Maybe I'll just give one star. Don't do that. Don't be that no. person. No. But uh, and in the meantime, we'll take out the song. This is uh, from the Pool House Guru. This Ooh. is his take on Psalm 24.1. I think it fits in with some of the themes. Take out that. Thanks for listening. Remember, we love you. God loves you. There's nothing you can do about it. You say that podcast. We decided that we're anointed, so scare your kids into doing what we say. Woo-hoo. The earth is the and everything in it except the stuff that's mine right because that stuff is mine so earth is the lord's and everything in it except the stuff that's mine okay well if you say so earth is the lord's and everything in it except the stuff that's mine that stuff is mine there was a rich man, and his land produced a hearty crop. He thought to himself, what should I do? I don't have any place to store my crops. Hallelujah. Then he said, this is what I'll do. Thank you, Jesus. I will tear down my barns and build bare ones. Earth is the Lord's and all who live in it. Except, of course, for me.
hot extra grain away. I'll say to myself, self, you have plenty of grain stored away for many years. Take life easy. Eat, drink, and be merry. Have yourself a good old time. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. That stuff is mine. Earth is the Lord's and everything in it. Except the stuff that's mine. That stuff is mine. Earth is the Lord's and all who live in it. Except, of course, for me. Not really me. Earth is the Lord's and everything in it. That stuff is mine. Verse 13, you can trust me when I lie to you. 